Welcome to our podcast, Yalla Israel. We invite you to discover the life and history of Israel, past, present, and future. Yalla is a very popular slang expression in Israel, originating from Arabic, meaning, come on, let's go. So, Yalla. Shalom, Ellen. How are you? I'm great, Leontine. Shalom. Shalom. Shavuotov. Oh, have a good week to you too. So, uh, and I should also say L'chaim. L'chaim, Because yes. we're having wine, guys. Let's we, uh, toast, maybe. Let's <laughs> toast. Leontine and I were listening to our uh, last episodes, and I realized that sometimes, A, I talk too long, and sometimes I stumble over my words. So we thought maybe a glass of wine will help. And for now on, each day, we're going, each week, each episode, we're going to try and introduce you perhaps to a, a new wine, uh, the wine of the, the week that we're drinking. Ah, let, let you have your bottle in front of you. Yes. My bottle is in the so fridge, but you... What are we here at the Cave Bar? Our bartender came down and served us a Jerusalem Vineyard Winery 2020 Cabernet Sauvignon. So, mm. l'chaim, everybody. L'chaim. So, how was your week, Alan? It was actually an incredible week. First of all, today, as you know, Diane and I always walk in the uh, park of Gan Soccer, Soccer Park, uh, in the morning. And today is just a beautiful day. And I'm just thanking God that, first of all, that we're here in this amazing country. Uh, and I have not just God to thank, but also uh, Diane. It's all because of her that we're here. And, and she made some good decisions for our family. And it's just incredible, which leads me into my week. So this week, I just finished up a tour, uh, a 15-day tour, So, which is my, I think it's a record for me, uh, not that I don't have long tours, which I usually do, but never never 15 days. 15 days with the same people? Same people. We, we traveled the whole country, wow. except for the, the South. Um, a wonderful, two couples, one from uh, Buffalo, New York. And another from uh, Virginia, uh, the outskirts of Washington, D.C. And we just had an incredible time. It gave us time to actually spend um, time up north. Uh, we stayed in Akko for the first time that I've stayed there for two nights and three days. So we could really focus and, and enjoy all that the old city of Akko has to um, offer. And I think that's a perfect topic for our one of our future off the beaten track places. It's it's very well known, but there are many places that ah, people... Ako is amazing. Ako is amazing. Yeah. And uh, how was your week, Leo? Well, um, I, I'll, I'll tell you about it, but I was saying like, wow, two weeks with the same people, but I should say the other way around. Wow, these two these people were two weeks with you. I, hey, 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 be <laughs> I careful. feel sorry a little bit for them. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sure they had a great time and you are a fantastic guide. So... 15 days is, is pretty amazing. Uh, my week was good. Um, you were praising God and I was going to say hallelujah because in fact uh, I walked out of the, the you know, the, the building uh, that is in the Israel Museum where they keep the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, the yes. Hershey Kiss? The Hershey, yes, ex exactly. It's a beautiful white building that is um, uh, supposed to show us what looks the, uh, like the top of the 
uh, jar in which the Dead Sea Scrolls were kept. And so I walked out of that building and then there was this Christian group that was actually a choir that also came out of the building and they were waiting for each other. You know, there is this long corridor that you uh, you take when you go out of the building and they were waiting there against the wall and then suddenly they started to sing uh, some holy song thanking God for being here and so on. And it was, you know, I'm not a Christian, but it was one of those moments, you know what I mean? Uh, beautiful, beautiful voices, and they were doing their thing, singing their song. It was a magical moment. So um, I, I, when they finished, everybody was like quiet and then, uh, you know, uh, clapping in their hands and saying amen and hallelujah. It was, it was one of those moments. You know, I saw you posted that on uh, social media. Yes. And, and I saw the post, and after I saw your post, I actually saw a posting of that group that was traveling throughout Israel. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, that's funny. Yeah, they were they were saying they were going to perform in the Christ Church that evening. So um, uh, and and that indeed they uh, they were performing all over the country. So yeah, that's funny. Yes, because I have this um, Instagram account that's called Israelis in Israel, where I try to put pictures and little movies about Israelis. In Israel, and I was a bit shy in the beginning, so I would show people only from the back, you remember? But uh, Alan was criticizing me for that. And now I dare to make uh, photos of people and showing their faces. Ooh, risque. <laughs> Very. So the topic this week is the blue and white flag of, of Israel, the flag of the state of Israel that is quite recognizable around the world. But now we'll kind of share with you everything you always wanted to know and more about the uh, flag of Israel. So when you see the flag of Israel, it has a white background with two horizontal blue lines and the Magan David or the Star of David at the center. Um, this flag was first publicly displayed I think it may have been displayed uh, at other times, but first it was publicly displayed uh, at the first uh, Zionist Congress in 1897. Did you did you know that that was uh, Theodore Herzl used that at the flag as the flag, except it was displayed uh, vertically and not horizontally, so straight up and down instead of uh, side to side. Uh, but that was the first time it was displayed. And when the uh, state of Israel is created on May 14, 1948, when independence is declared in Tel Aviv, it will be also displayed at that declaration. And short thereafter, the Knesset will adopt that as the flag of Israel. Exactly. Yeah, they adopted it five months later. So it took a while, but that's uh, logic because they were busy uh, fighting a war. So they didn't have really have time to bother about a flag. So in October, um, after the establishment of the state of Israel, the flag was officially adopted. Um, and there is, of course, like in every flag, there is an official color of blue that is uh, used for the flag. It's, did you know it's called uh, Darsky Blue? Or no, it's not. <laughs> this is it's my called, handwriting. It's called Darsky. what? Darsky? Dark sky. I remember Darsky, Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, Darsky? exactly. No, not Darsky. It's dark sky blue. That's my handwriting. That is impossible to read. Uh, dark sky blue. And the, the two uh, stripes on the, the bottom and the top of the flag, they are a reminder of the talit, the prayer shawl that men uh, wear, Jewish men wear when they uh, they go praying. Um, and the blue 
is, uh, you know, it's a royal color. In fact, you know that in France, for instance, uh, Europe, I should say, blue is, is royalty. Um, so it's not, I guess it's very important that it's, uh, it was blue, eh? because we had a king here, King David. This was a, 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 a royal country, you could say, um, a long time before. Um, so it's God's glory, and then the, the white is uh, purity, it's uh, divine. So the colors are, uh, are really important. And there's something else about the blue that's the, you remember the tzitzit? Uh, the tzitzit, there has to be a blue rope in there as well. You yeah, remember that? Yeah, the tzitzit that? and the talit, both. Yes. There's a, blue, uh, there's a blue, what you call sky blue or royal blue. Darsky. Darsky, <laughs> Darsky blue. Darsky blue. Uh, but that blue... Uh, in ancient times, came from the techelet. Remember the techelet? Mm-hmm. It was uh, produced by snails. Blue yes. doesn't uh, actually. The reason it's so royal is because it's very rare. Blue does not exist in nature, but they found this beautiful blue, purplish blue, contained in snails that they collected off the shores of the Mediterranean, not far from Nachsholim, which someday we'll probably talk about. Absolutely, yes. But the techelet is so that, that when you're wearing the tzitzit or the talit, which is a commandment from God, God tells us, I am the Lord your God, the one God, and you shall teach your children. Remember, it also says, post it on your doorpost, post it on your forehead and your arm, and also wear it on your garments, on the tzitzit. And I think the techelet was to remind you, as you said, the glory of God, to remind you of these things and to do these things. Sometimes when you're walking down the streets of uh, Jerusalem or in Israel, you see young men with their, uh, I like to say they're they're flying their freak flag, uh, their tzitzit, Mm -hmm. uh, and they have the white strings and then you'll find one blue thread. Exactly, yes. Blue, kind of blue, and uh, blue, bluish, purplish, kind of. Eh? That's the kind of blue, I guess, because they never really found the recipe, eh? how to make exactly uh, how they made, how they got to the got to the color. But we'll talk about this, yes, when we talk about Nachshualim, because this is where they, it's a beautiful beach, where they produce this color. Now, what I really, really liked uh, about uh, the flag is that Theodore Herzl, who was the, founder of the Zionist movement. So he's also the one who organizes the first Zionist Congress that you just talked about. He wrote a book about how he saw what he thought was going to be the state of Israel. He had like a a utopia, you say, utopia. Like um, it was for him, he had an imagination of what the Jewish state was going to be. And it was going to be a very, very modern state. And one of the things he wrote was that there was going to be a flag that was going to be white with seven golden stars. Now, why the golden stars? It has nothing to do with Judaism, but actually he wanted to celebrate that in this future Israeli state, the people were going to work seven hours a day. That's super modern because he wrote this in the 1800s and he already was thinking of a rather short workday. And uh, this was going to be the workday, seven hours a, week, a day here in the future state to be. Well, speaking, speaking of seven, it also reminds me that many people, at least the people that I guide and I, I, I meet, think that the Star of David, the Magen David, that's in the flag, is the symbol of the Jewish people and the state of Israel. When in actuality, it's just on the flag, but it's not the symbol of the state of Israel. You, you, you know what the, the symbol is. Yes, of course. It's the menorah. The menorah. By the way, people, not the Hanukkah. Some people confuse the Hanukkah with the menorah. The menorah is seven branches. 
So maybe the corresponding to the seven stars that Theodore Herzl had in mind, but particularly the creation, seven days of creation. Yes, of course, seven days. But uh, as he was a modern man and he was not... Was he? He was you not he was really secular. Secular. <laughs> he was he not. Wasn't modern. He, he wasn't was in the 1800s. Exactly. He was. He was not uh, so much into religion, even though he imagined the state here. So there is, of course, some religion in it. A lot of religion, even. But the, so the seven days of the week, yes. But seven hour a day for work. I think that is very, very modern and very secular as well. I guess. Now, the, the menorah, yes, it has seven branches. You can see a beautiful, beautiful golden menorah uh, in the Jewish quarter in Jerusalem, in the old city. And then you have the menorah all over. So it's on the badges of our tour guide license. And it's on all the official documents, any official document, basically. Yeah. yeah. I have a wonderful story that I, I'm sure you're going to remember when I tell you the story from our tour guide course that we learned. Uh, a flag story, one of my favorite flag stories, is the story of Umrashrash. Uh, people know it today as a lot. Uh, towards the end of the War of Independence in 1948, actually carried over into 1949, the last battle was for the Negev and concluded at Umrashrash, which today is known as a lot. And when the soldiers of the Negev Brigade uh, conquered the Negev and arrived at Umrashrash, uh, they want to raise the Israeli flag, the flag with the two blue stripes and the Star of David, but they don't have a flag. So they improvise and they find a white bed sheet and they find an ink pen and they draw two ink stripes with their ink pen and they tear off the Star of David from the medic uh, uh, kit and they'll sew it on the flag and raise it, uh, symbolizing really in my mind, the end of the War of Independence, the, con the, the last conquest of a lot. Yes, yes, it's true. And uh, we, we saw the flag in the museum, no? There was a small, small museum there, and uh, I wonder if they kept, they kept the flag there, I think, in the museum. I wonder if people, when they go to a lot, if they ever actually visit that museum. Uh, but if you go, guys, of course, you go to dive and see the, all the tropical fish there and the corals, and you can swim with the dolphins. But at the end of the day, or maybe during the middle of the day, when it's really, really too hot to be outside, you should go and visit that museum. It's, it's really worthwhile uh, seeing it. We are sitting here in the Brown Hotel, having a nice glass of wine. I have actually white sparkling wine. Brown Hotel, thank you very much for hosting us. We are sitting here in this very cool bar, uh, getting, a, getting a great service and um, best hotel in Jerusalem. So our off-the-beaten-track place this week is Zikim, Kibbutz Zikim. We were debating whether it was Zukim, Zukim, uh, Zukum, eh? but it, it was Zikim. I don't think we were debating. I, I think was. you said it was Zukim, but it was actually Zikim. Absolutely, yes. Like uh, this is what happens when you stop working for two years. You, you tend to forget little things. Zikim. So Zikim is a kibbutz that is on the Mediterranean Sea, just north of Gaza, just to like two kilometers maybe, very, very close by Gaza. It is the most southwestern kibbutz at the sea. 
if you can say so. It has an amazing beach. There is a beautiful sand reserve, like a natural reserve uh, that you can walk through. And it has a small kibbutz where lives uh, one of our colleagues, Juliette, that we went to visit. There is also an old Arab house that's called Beit Alami that is now used for events and so on. It's a house that is about 100 years old. Uh, so Zikim, really beautiful place, established in uh, 1949 by a Romanian uh, youth movement. Zik means point of lights, and it means point of lights in the wilderness. So it comes actually from the Bible. So Zikim is there several points of lights. What did you think of Zikim when we visited it? Yeah, I, I was uh, very pleasantly surprised. Uh, Leontine um, said, "Let's, you know, she has this friend Juliet." Uh, a colleague, actually, from uh, from guiding uh, that lived in uh, Kibbutz Zikim. She says, let's let's go down to Zikim. Um, I had not really heard of the kibbutz. I had heard of the Zikim Beach, uh, which is well known here. But uh, so when we got there, it was a, a pleasant surprise. The wonderful thing about Zikim is the location. Remember, location, location, location. Israel has 196 kilometers um, which is about 120 miles of beachfront on the Mediterranean Sea, extending from the northern border with Lebanon at Rosh Hanikra, and extending all the way down to basically Zikim. Zikim is the end of the road, the southern border of the coast. You said two kilometers, but I think... It's three, actually, three. Three kilometers, but when you're on the beach, I think if you step foot <laughs> to the left or to the south... You're in Gaza, in yeah. the Gaza Strip. Yeah. Um, but I, I found it to be just incredible. It was incredibly beautiful. Um, and my favorite was the, the nature uh, hike that we took. Yeah, it was beautiful. It's not that difficult. You leave the kibbutz, and I think it's about three kilometers, maybe three or four kilometers. Uh, and you walk through a nature reserve of sand dunes, and you walk through the Shikma River. It's a, an inlet, a, a river that flows into the Mediterranean Sea, and eventually you make it to the sea itself, which I just, uh, I, I really enjoyed that 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 hike. It was beautiful. We couldn't swim, I think, because the waves were very big. I remember we couldn't go into the water. We were, uh, it was a... No, that, uh, too that, dangerous. That day it was black flag, and I think every time we put our foot in the the, the there is a guard there, and every time we went near the water, he was uh, yelling something in Hebrew at us. Uh, exactly. What's a day? They like to do that. The the supervisors on the beach they like to yell in general in their microphones. This is something uh, that is very common in Israel. So we, I think we had a beer on the beach. We ended up buying a beer and had a beer there. Uh, I also thought it was very, very, very beautiful. Um, very weird uh, to be in such a paradise place and knowing that Gaza is just uh, like really, really close by. The, the beach is beautiful. The beaches of Gaza are the same, actually. They are supposed to be beautiful as well, like white sand and beautiful sea. Um, now, another thing that I also really like there is that everybody had a mango tree in their uh, in their garden. All the kibbutzim in there. I don't know if you remember. They all had mango trees in their gardens. Mango or mango? Mango. Like mango, like mango the fruit or mango? What's a mango? It's a mango. <laughs> it's a, a mango is a mango. It's a fruit. It's the the, the tropical fruits, the beautiful, lovely, sweet 
amazing fruit mango. You know, for some reason, because we see mango all over Israel. You say mango, I say mango, I'll yes. say mango. Mango trees are all over, particularly the, the Jordan Valley. So seeing them here on the on the coast uh, and south, almost to the desert, was, yeah. was quite fascinating. Uh, it's fascinating to see. They're beautiful fruit, but I can't stand Mango. I don't know what it is. It's, ah, you don't like it? No. Ah, it's all the better for me, so I'll have your mango. No, my Diane, <laughs> Diane and the, the girls. Ah, my, they love my, it? My daughters, they, they love mango for some reason. Um, it's almost to me like um, there are other spices and things that I just like, for instance, licorice. I can't eat licorice. Ah, I have licorice uh, in front of me here. <laughs> Keep it to yourself. I'll have a mango and licorice and cheese once a day. So the question we received this week from a subscriber is actually was from someone who just was visiting Israel, Johan from Alberta, Canada. And she wanted to know, how do religious Jewish men keep those skull caps on their head? Ah, it's a very good question, especially when they are bold, uh, like my good old sweet uh, Shlomo my own husband. So yeah, I get this question very often from uh, my tourists, actually. They will ask me, like, how do they keep it on their head? So first of all, you have to know that um, we co I call it a kippah, actually. Uh, I know Americans also call it yamulka, I think. Yeah, yamulka was the Yiddish word. Before Hebrew was revived as a language, most right. people used Yiddish, mm -hmm. and they called it a yarmulka. But then it became known once uh, Hebrew was uh, revived, um, they called it a kippah. Kippah is, is a dome. Yes, exactly. A kippah. And uh, yeah, and uh, if you see a bald head of a man, it does look like a dome. So, And it has the shape of a dome. So first of all, you should know, sweet listeners, that when a man uh, buys a kippah, he tries, he has to try on many, many different kippahs until he finds the right one that will stick on his head because each head is different. Some look like an egg, some look like a football, others will look like a mango. So the, the kippah has different, they, they have different shapes and so you have to find the one that will stay on your head. Now, if a man has hair, uh, then they have a clip with it uh, and they, they will stick it uh, into the kippah and into their hair and then this is how the kippah remains. I, I'm not bragging, but that's what I do. Uh, I know, I know, but my anyway, no comments. The uh, you have hair, but not that much, I have to say, <laughs> not for long. But um, uh, now, bold man apparently. So my Shlomo doesn't do that. He do that. He has a kippah that fits exactly on his head. When there is a lot of wind, he will take it off and put on a head or a cap or something. But I was told that bold men like our prime minister, Naftali Bennett, they have some sort of, we call it scratch in uh, French, like uh, some sort of something that sticks. We, we, we call it in English, it's double-sided Tape, tape double-sided tape, exactly. Double-sided tape. They put it inside the the kippah and then stick it to their head. And that is how it stays on their head. But if you look at Naftali Bennett, our prime minister, he's totally bold. He always has a tiny, tiny, tiny little uh, kippah on and it's it always sits there. It doesn't move. Yeah, that's it's, it's incredible. Uh, some people will actually, you know, uh, deal with size. They'll buy larger, like I guess that's what Shlomo does is you just buy a large enough uh, kippah that's heavy enough that will lay on the head in a way that it 
just rest there. Uh, and a lot of people will also uh, that are bald will buy uh, felt or um, a material that doesn't slide off the head. It stays it stays on the head. Uh, and I think I think I've heard some people say they even use Velcro. Velcro. And what about chewing gum? <laughs> That's an idea. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Yala Israel. As always, you can find us on Spotify, Buzzsprout, or your favorite podcast app. You can send questions or contact us on Instagram at Yala Israel Podcast. Talk to you next week.